Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today we have a special interview recorded by Fred Schenkelberg in January 2017 at the Rams Conference in Orlando, Florida. Fred's guest was Larry Lemus, professor of mathematics at the College of William and Mary. Dr. Lemus received his BS and MS degrees in mathematics and his PhD in industrial engineering from Purdue University. He's taught at Purdue, the University of Oklahoma, and Baylor University. His consulting and research work includes contracts with AT&T, NASA Langley Research Center, Delco Electronics, the Department of Defense, the Federal Aviation Administration, the Yorktown Naval Weapons Station, and the Argonne National Laboratory. His research and teaching interests are in reliability and simulation. Fred talked with Dr. Lemus about his book, Learning Base R. Let's join Fred's interview with Dr. Larry Lemus. All right, this is Fred Schenkelberg, and I'm very happy to be sitting down with Larry Lemus. Hey, Larry. Hey, Fred. Hey. Um, we met at RAMS, I think, a couple of years ago or so. You've regularly done tutorials there on reliability distributions, if I remember right. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is right. And I, I apologize. I haven't had the chance to sit down uh, with you through the, the tutorial. I think we've been uh, booked opposite each other on too many occasions as, as it happens at Rams. There's just too many things going on. But uh, I wanted to um, sit down and ask you to, uh, a couple of questions because you've contributed quite a bit to the reliability space as an author. I I, I've seen papers. I did a quick search on Google Scholar, and you've got papers going back into the mid '80s. Um, so you've been at this reliability and the mathematics and reliability for quite some time. You bet. Yeah, I started started right off of my uh, PhD, and my uh, PhD advisor Bruce Schmeiser was in simulation. But he was nice enough to take me on, so I was able to do a little bit of reliability work. Um, and I kind of got hooked on reliability with the whole bathtub-shaped hazard function, which I know you know about. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of drew me in, the fact that you can have a hazard function that applies to both manufactured items and, and people. That's um, right. Yeah, Kind of drew me in. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm glad you, you stayed with it and contributed. Now, now you're, you're at William, William and Mary, if I remember correctly, and that's right. you're in the mathematics department and you teach math and statistics. But I noticed in your, um, in your online bio that you also have a reliability class. I am teaching that this semester, and we basically spend the first half of the course going over probabilistic models so there you know are hazard functions and competing risks and you know the cox proportional hazards model that type of thing mm -hmm. and then the second half of the course is made up of all statistical topics which is how do you take these models along with a data set and fit them okay so a bit of regression data analysis kind of thing you bet okay okay yeah that's a lot to put in one course, but you're also, do you get to talk about reliability very much in that, or is it uh, more just the math underneath it? I think we do a little bit of reliability. So the the first couple chapters are spent on 
you know, series systems, parallel systems, K out of N, reliability functions, reliability bounds. We even touch on fault trees just a little bit. Okay. So some, some of the reliability topics get hit. It's a combination, I'd say, Fred, of probably reliability and survival analysis. Okay. Okay. And that, I mean, and what kind of students do you get into that? Are, are they math students or are they engineering students or? Well, if you have a second for a plug, I might as well plug the program. Yeah. We have, we have a program here called the Computational Operations Research Program. Okay. And so we have master's students who spend two years here and reliability is one of their electives that they can take. So basically the master's degree is 11 courses and reliability is an, is an elective. And I have 22 in there this semester. Oh, excellent. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk about in, the internet of things and more and more sensors being connected, you know, vehicles and, and on home appliances and on factory equipment and just to, you name it, that seems to be getting wired into the network and collecting data. Is that one of the aims of providing people to deal with that data, those data sets? Uh, it, it is, you know, you're going to see more and more of that. We don't do that specifically in this course, but we do all of the thinking behind what you would do if you had a data set of that nature. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I'm just guessing there. I, I should probably sit down and take your course or you know, well. go do some of that stuff. The, but, you know, all of this stuff has become, uh, this computational work that we do has really become possible because of the computers that are sitting on our desks and sometimes our wrist. Uh, and I, I wanted mostly to talk to you for this Dare to Know episode about a book you published last year called Learning Base R. And it's, I believe it's uh, published in 2016 by Lightning Source, was the publisher. Lightning Source is a printer. Printer. And, okay. so, and so this is self-published and uh, did that to keep the uh, cost down for the students. Oh, cool. You know, I wouldn't have known that. You showed me a book when we were at Rams, and it's very well done. It's I I wanted to ask you, what was the incentive behind the tornado uh, imagery on the uh, cover? Well, the you, you, with, a, with a programming language, it's very hard to know what you put on a cover that's going to, uh, you know, tell somebody about that. What I wanted was a bunch of different images, and you can put those like in a you know, uh, N by M matrix, one mm -hmm. image, image after another. But I thought, well, we'll, we'll put them in a tornado. It's, it's hard with a programming language, Fred, to know what to put on the cover, but my daughter designed the cover and, um, um, it, it seems to do it. Well, it's professionally done. I, you know, and the book is well laid out and, and published. I guess that's part of what lightning source is capable of doing is giving you a, 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 a really well printed book at the end of the day yeah well i guess well, all you have to do supply to them is the interior and the cover mm -hmm. and then and then they take it from there and they'll print it okay well um uh oh i, I just had a thought about the cover again but we'll get off of the self-publishing stuff but i i like the idea that it it keeps the cost down is that i think when i saw the book and flipped through it and i'm looking at the table of contents now you know uh these books, especially when they're aimed at uh, college students, they could be a hundred dollars or more, and this has got a lot of content in it. Yeah, it's it's to try to get away from all of the uh, 
costs associated with going with a publisher because you know you have a big hierarchy there that you have to support when mm-hmm. you when you do that. That's cool. Well, um, oh, I remember what it was. Is the uh, you've obviously seen the O'Reilly O'Reilly publishing books, you know, and so they have JavaScript and and all kinds of different software packages. They went with fish and animals. <laughs> Oh, that's their cover art. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And in fact, um, a lot of languages, for example, I think LaTeX uses a lion. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a penguin that shows up somewhere. So, yeah, I think that's getting more and more popular is to attach an animal to a language. I had never thought of it till you brought it up. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, the the other part is that the artwork is from the late 1800s. A lot of line drawings were done then and they're in the public domain now. So you don't have to, to pay for the image. And, and mm. they're pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> very, very nice. That's cool. All right. So I'm, you know, when I look online and I have a, a guilty myself back when I first was learning S+. And and now and S and now with R, most of the books either talk about a package or a way of, of analyzing data or presenting data. Uh, they're almost always a package that's within R. But your book's focused on R as it comes out of the the download. I, I was going to say package, but there's no package. But <laughs> you bet, right, right out of the box. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. A, a lot of the books you will find that do are, and there are dozens and dozens of these books, um, will do one of two things. They will either focus on a technique, so it might be uh, regression in R, mm-hmm. or survival analysis in R, or something to that effect, or time or, series, or uh, yeah, graphics, any number of things. And then the second group seem to focus on a particular package. And there are some dynamite packages out there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to write one that just simply focused on what you start with in R. So this would be um, a book. I use it in a a freshman seminar that I'm teaching this semester. Mm -hmm. And I also use it in a, a graduate course. It's for somebody that is either brand new to programming languages and wants to start with R or somebody that knows programming languages and wants to pick up the R syntax. And basically it's, it's to um, introduce them to the base language. Then once you know the base language, you can take off from there. You can shoot off into regression or shoot off into a package like ggplot2 or something like that. That's right. And ggplot2 is uh, Hadley Wickham's uh, package that really makes some pretty cool graphics and and allows you to do those things. But it really is based on the base R. You still need to know what a vector is or what a matrix is or uh, an array or uh, a data frame. If those are all foreign terms to you, then R is a strike. It goes back to that tornado. Right, you know, right. You know, so when when a package says, "Oh, input the data frame with a certain characteristics to it," um, you need to know what that is. So this becomes the reference I, I don't know, that uh, can get you through all that stuff. But you mentioned a couple of times that it's a programming language. You know, when I first uh, started using S plus and R, um, it was really a command language and just um, exploring my data sets. I, would, I was able to create a histogram way faster that looked way better than Excel ever did. And so I would just type in H-I-S-T and uh, parentheses in my data set uh, file and 
off it would go. It was, I would learn just enough. And I never realized I was learning a programming language until much, much later. In, in the book, I try to take the three programming uh, constructs, namely conditional execution, iteration, and recursion. Mm-hmm. And I, I push those towards the end of the book. And it, it's, it's, a de- it's designed to do two things. First of all, not intimidate somebody that's not a programmer. Mm-hmm. But second, exactly what you said, R has two real entry points. One is as an interactive command language. That is, I draw a histogram of the data set. I look at the histogram and then from the histogram, perhaps I, I do something else. I maybe calculate percentiles or I put a box plot out there or I put um, two empirical cumulative distribution functions together on one plot. Mm-hmm. And there is that interactive side. But then after you get done with the interactive side, there's also this programming side. So I tried to keep the two separate, but I start with the more interactive side because I think it's a lot easier, a lot less intimidating to a new programmer. Well, it is. You see, what it what it made me realize, and you know, looking back on it, is that, you know, I learned, I, I said, it, this has got to be able to do a histogram. So I had a reference that had, here's the command, H-I-S-T. You bet. And then there's a bunch of, of, of elements you can set within that to say, well, how many bins do I want? Or what title do I want? Or do I put a box around the whole thing or not? Or what's the axis labels? And you start learning all of those different elements that you can, I'm sure that's not the right word for it, but all those pieces that can modify how the histogram eventually turns up. Uh, and so that is just one command. You bet. Right? Yeah, and, 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 and I like that about the language in that you can drop into it and do something fairly quickly. And then if you want to modify that and, and make the graphic better, you can you can get to that level too. So it's, right. it's got that advantage to it. Well, if I remember right, it's, it's like a up arrow or down arrow on my keyboard re- just takes the last entry and repeats it so that I can I have what I did last time and I can edit it just slightly and don't have to retype the whole thing. And I found that yep. that feet, that shortcut very early and very helpful. <laughs> yep, I, I use it all the time. So the you know, once you start putting together these languages and you start seeing the potential of this, and, and what I've certainly found is that um, I'll have a, uh, say, a data set that has 15 different uh, factors or variables in it, and I want to create a histogram for each one of them. Well, I could very quickly create a program that does that, and I can make it my, my histogram. And it has all of my syntax built right into it. And I just put in the, identify the different data sets. And and it becomes a very, very simple one-line program. You bet. And and so it's very, very powerful in that way. Now, I'm going through the, the, um, the table of contents. And it looks like at some point you start getting into the probability parts, the and uh, binomial, Poisson, all those other things. I don't see Weibull or log normal in there. Is that all buried in the other distributions? Or <laughs> well, what I what I tried to do was make each chapter something that people could read in fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, okay. So because of that, when you get out to the probability chapter, and again, I don't know what the reader knows in terms of probability, 
So I decided to just go with only two discrete distributions, and those were the binomial and the Poisson, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and only two continuous distributions, and those were the uniform and the normal. Right. So even though I wonder if I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the book right now and take a peek to see if I have if I don't have the Weibel out there at least a reference to it, that would not be a bad thing to do. I'm checking right now. Okay. And you did mention that you're teaching this course to a freshman group so that they may not have even had uh, exposure to the quality systems or, you know, and, and so introducing binomial and normal might be a, a, a big step for them in and of oh, itself. It, at least to the freshman it is. And I'm checking right now. What I what I did in the uh, the end of that probability chapter was – you remember how it is they have a single letter, which is D, P, Q, or R, That's right. telling you if it's uh, the probability uh, density function, the cumulative distribution function, a quantile, or a random variate. Mm -hmm. And then that's followed by the name of the distribution. I did give the names of all the distributions, for example, beta, Cauchy, gamma, Weibull, et cetera. So I do have a table in there with that, but I don't go into much detail. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and one of the things that comes out of seeing this long list of, well, the long list, this table of contents is that there's a quite a bit you can do without even loading any factors or without loading any packages, the add-ons to the base R. And I mean, it, but having those fundamentals, that's, that's, do you see the, the benefit of that? People that have gone through and spent the time to learn the base R versus ones that dive in, say, with ggplot right from the start? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a good chance that if somebody jumps into any package initially, they may kind of hit the wall fairly quickly because the data structures in R are, are kind of tough to get your mind wrapped around. I think vectors matrices and arrays are pretty easy but when you get to lists and data frames there's there's a few more nuances to them and so i think going through something like this is helpful just to get the fundamentals in place and then build off of that foundation mm -hmm. oh, I, I i'm gonna have to get a copy of this maybe i should ask you to sign a copy for me and send it over oh i i, I can <laughs> send them to you fred easy easy to do okay is the the idea is that, you know, I don't use R day in and day out. <clears throat> so I'm by no means an expert. I have been using the language or its precursors for decades. Yet anytime I get a new data set, somebody sends me a, a file set in Excel, heaven forbid. <laughs> it's usually so messy and so convoluted that it, I have to pull the book back out to figure out, well, one, how do I import it from Excel or from a CSV file or or some other format? And then how do I, oh yeah, now how do I build that data frame again? <laughs> you know, right, you know? right. So something like this would be very, very handy. I still go back to Phil Spector's book from, I think it was from S Plus to, to get some of that. And uh, Chambers, Chambers book, I think, I don't know when it was published on, 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 on S. Uh, but this seems to be a bunch more updated and concurrent with um, the current versions of R. Do you see R changing very much at the base level? Do you... No, they're they're pretty consistent um, in terms of you know there's that term in computer science that's known as upward compatibility. Mm -hmm. They're pretty careful. The people that uh, are on the committee that 
that uh, puts R to, together. I find that I can write or I can pull out programs which were written in S plus even 15 and 20 years ago and they tend to still run. So hmm. the, the base package is of course always changing, but they don't change it all that much. Okay. Well, I have to, I'm going to have to call Bill Meeker about that because the, you, you, I'm sure you've seen his Splita program in S plus. Yeah. That's a wonderful program. Every year I see him at some conference someplace and I, I, you know, say, so where's the R package for Splita? He says, oh, I'm working on it, working on it. <laughs> so, All right, right. Well, he's kind of moved over. His um, his focus now is in, I believe, Jump. That's right, yeah. It was, yeah. And, and he, he, he has a lot of fun with the Jump in the that package. And it's evolving. I think he's had a huge impact on that. It's got a long ways to go to catch up to R in its versatility. So I, I'm still partial to a free package that has such a community of support behind it and uh, and books like yours to, to make it very accessible. So um, in all of this work, in in the R, uh, the base R uh, uh, book that you've published and stuff, I, I, I want to one say thanks for putting it together and helping your students to, to get a handle on this language and, and also your reliability course. I think that's a start for uh, a career for, for a good number of them. Um, but where, where could people find out more about your program at the university or this, this co a copy of this book? Well, for the program we have here, that's uh, computational operations research. You could probably just go to Google and put in computational operations research, William and Mary, and you'll get a link there at William and Mary to the program, mm -hmm. and and we'd love to have people apply. Um, we, it's it's a smaller program. We probably have about ten new students per year, which puts about twenty in residence at a time. Mm -hmm. So that's the uh, computational operations research program. And then in terms of the book, if you just go to Amazon and either put in my last name which is Lemus, L-E-E-M-I-S, or if you just put in learning uh, base R, that should get you to the book and uh, hopefully uh, get it shipped to you for free. Oh, that's cool. And I'll put it in um, the show notes also. So for those that are looking for those links and stuff, I'll add those into the notes. And you can find the show notes under um, reliability.fm is the domain. And then look for the show that's called Dare to Know. And you'll see the, the episode with Larry in it and those links and so on. And so what's next, Larry? What are you, what are you working on next uh, uh, besides the uh, base R? Well, my, I'm, I'm trying to get together a two-semester sequence of books. The uh, first one is a one-semester course in probability, mm -hmm. and that would be calculus-based. And then the second one would be a one-semester course in mathematical statistics. And both of those two books would include a good bit of R in them mm -hmm. because that just seems to be the way the statistical community is going right now. And uh, so anyhow, I, I'm working on them. I have the probability book. It is out as a first edition. I'd like to um, update it to a second edition because I think there's enough uh, new exercises and material mm -hmm. to uh, warrant that. And then right now I have the mathematical statistics book in draft form. But I'd have to uh, 
do a bit of work on it to get it, it ready to uh, go to print. All right. Well, I think the third one I want to ask you to work on is the, the Splita. Maybe partner up with Bill and, and get that <laughs> – Get a book around Splita and get the software over on R. Oh, I, w- I would, you and me both. I would love to have that happen. That would be great. Yeah. No. Well. Well. Thanks so much, Larry, for sitting down and talking to me. I'm, and I look forward to catching up with you again at the the Rams conference, if not before, for our paths cross. And uh, folks can find uh, this episode uh, on Dare to Know. It'll be out on iTunes and other places. And if you like the episode, you know, let us know and uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really does help with the show and, and promoting the show and letting others find it. Also lets us know that somebody's actually listening and appreciating <laughs> it. That always comes in handy. And we do, Larry, I, I do get messages from time to time from people that are listening and, and really appreciate the insights behind the authors and professors and and business leaders that are uh, in large part shaping our community as reliability professionals. So I appreciate you you taking some time to provide a little of that background for us. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Fred. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Larry. Talk to you later. See you.